the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28. Uh, We are in a series called Connecting to the Call to Community, the community of faith. You are part of the body of Christ. That is the community of faith. And the community of faith, the church, if you want to call it, must be founded on the four pillars of prayer, praise, proclamation, and participation. Amen? That has to be present in any community of faith. There has to be praise. We just did that. At least many of you did it. (laughs) There has to be prayer. We pray for one another. We pray as a corporate body of believers. There has to be proclamation of the word, and that's what we're going to be doing this morning. And of course, there's participation in ministry. We all have a call to advance the kingdom rule of Jesus Christ in our world. We are the body. He is our head. So we always start the year uh, focusing on one of those pillars that, that has to do with us being together as a body, as a community of believers. You are part And I am part of the body of Christ. So we continue our series called Connecting to the Call to that Community to kick off 2023 here at our church. Last Sunday, we talked about fellowship. And we're going to be talking about fellowship for the rest of January. But last last, uh, week, community, fellowship, uh, we discovered is driven by the Holy Spirit through, this, through the expression of scriptural fidelity. In other words, when we assemble together as a community of faith, one of the driving forces that binds us and builds us together, build us together, is scriptural fidelity. We look to the word of God to guide us in how we function in the body of Christ. So fellowship is driven by an expression of scriptural fidelity. Today we're going to talk about uh, the destiny of our fellowship, you know, and, 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 and why do we assemble together? For what purpose? So this morning we're going to talk about fellowship as an experience of sacred service. We don't just assemble here to feel good about each other and feel good about our lives, we are called, every single one of us are called to that destiny. The destiny of all believers corporately is to serve Christ, to serve Christ, not Christian causes. 
Don't be confused. Don't think that because we're Christians, we have to serve Christian causes. Now, that's fine. I do serve a lot of Christian causes. We're not supposed to serve Christian ideals. We have to know what Christian ideals are. But above all of that, we serve Christ. That's important. What's the difference between serving the cause of Christ and serving Christ? Big difference. The difference is sacredness. Sacredness. Anybody can serve the cause of Christianity. Anybody can participate in serving the Christian platform. And indeed, so many come to serve for the cause of doing the right thing. We all do that. We all understand that that's true. And that's commendable. Some serve simply because it's the right thing to do. And again, there's no problem with that. We all have to understand that that's a good thing. Some serve for the love of people. And of course, why else do we serve but to love people? But serving becomes sacred only when it's done for the love of Christ, for the love of Jesus. Above all of these meanings we put on the word sacred, it is a word that carries the idea of preservation. When you say something is sacred, you preserve it. So think Preservation when it comes to serving in a sacred way, sacred service. You're trying to present, preserve something holy, something precious, something pure. Okay? That's, that's what sacred is all about. That's what being sacred is all about. It's about preservation. Uh, years and years ago, I was invited by a friend to come to Thanksgiving dinner. And I remember him calling me saying, hey, come over. We've been roasting since 5 o'clock this morning. And I looked at my watch. It's like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. What kind of turkey roasts for a whole day? Only a turkey will do that to another turkey. I said to myself, until I found out he was roasting a pig. And it's almost done. It's almost done. It's 5 o'clock. Come on over. It's ready. And I said, what are you talking about, pig? Thanksgiving is for turkey. That's what Thanksgiving is about. To this guy, Thanksgiving is not sacred. He'll cook anything. And I said to myself, no. Thanksgiving for me is sacred. I'm going to cook my turkey. Invite me when you have that on your table. But when we say something is sacred, we preserve the meaning of that particular thing or, or that sacredness of that person. It applies to everything else. You know, if you've been to um, the greatest museums in the world, they won't let you get near the Mona Lisa. You know, it's, it's, it's placed in a, in, a, in a big cabinet or whatever, and you, can't, you, can, you can look at it, but you can't touch it. Why? Because that, that painting is being preserved because there's a sacredness to that work of art. Well, the Christian worldview is the same thing when it comes to serving. Serving is more than just doing good things because they're the right thing to do. 
Servanthood is literally preserving the ministry of Jesus in this world. Now, if you start thinking about that, it becomes heavy, doesn't it? It's, you, you know, as a Christian, when you say, I'm serving the Lord, it's more than just, I'm doing the right things, man. I'm singing at church. I'm playing guitar at church. Oh, I, I'm, I'm helping out. I'm doing all of this. I'm feeding the poor. I'm raising money for all of these causes. Those are fine and wonderful things. But above all of that, when we say we're serving Jesus, we are preserving the ministry that he's demonstrated here on earth. And that becomes the game changer for many of us. Got to look at it that way. When the world sees the church, they must see Jesus. Because Jesus is not here physically. We have the Holy Spirit, amen? And he guides us. But how does the world see Jesus? You and I have that responsibility. And we can't afford to play games when it comes to that sacred service. Now, Jesus in our text uh, has, has given the definitive teaching about what it means to be a servant, okay? Let me just give you a little bit of a background on our, in our text this morning found in Matthew, okay? The mother, uh, in fact, let me read it, verse 20. Let me start with verse 20 and then we'll go to our text. Then the mother of Zebedee, Zebedee's sons, came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked Jesus a favor of him. What is it you want? Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. Okay? Now, here was this mother of, of the, the, the uh, two of Jesus' disciples coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, kneeling down. You, know, you got you to gotta picture this whole thing. Kneeling down to Jesus and says, Jesus, when you come to your kingdom, I want you to put one of my sons as vice president and the other speaker of the house. While you're the president. I want you to put my sons, one to your left and one to your right. And of course, this caused a lot of problems with the other disciples. The audacity of this woman to, 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 uh, to ask for such a favor. And in response, Jesus gave the most definitive answer, definitive description of what it means to be a servant in the kingdom of God. Verse 25, this is our text. Jesus called them together because they were getting upset. They were ready to throw these guys out. You're saying, who do you think you are? There's 12 of us. And the two of you would sit on the left and the right. What about the rest of us? You know, that kind of thing. There's a lot of envy. There's a lot of anim animosity because it's, a, it's a, just a dumb request. You know. And here, here's verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Doulos. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Man, that's, in, that's an incredible teaching if you really think about it. I mean, we've read that passage many, many times, but we don't really connect it to, a, you know, to that whole teaching about corporate service, about us representing Jesus into this world. Now, in our text, there are four distinctives that make servanthood sacred. Sacred because they were demonstrated by Jesus himself, and we as his body are bound to preserve it until he comes back. Okay, so here is what Jesus is saying to all of his disciples for all generations. If you're going to be my disciples, you're going to have to demonstrate this act, this act of servitude, this sacred servanthood. There are four things in our text this morning, okay, that we all have to be aware of and we all have to be cognizant as, as we continue to walk by faith as followers of Jesus. Number one, sacred servanthood is all about authority in humility. I think many of you will, will be able to kind of surmise that point. Authority in humility. Look at verses 25 to 26 again. Jesus called them together. That's important. Because this sacred servanthood is not an individual calling. This is a corporate calling of all disciples. All of us have been called to serve in a sacred way, just as Jesus did. He called them together. Not just the ones that are having issues or having problems. Jesus made an immediate distinction between secular ideas of servanthood and true godly servanthood. He made a distinction right away. And he made this staggering declaration. Now remember, the Gospel of Matthew was written to a predominantly Jewish audience. That's what the Gospel of Matthew was all about. Uh, So put your Jewish caps and pretend that you were a Jewish person living in first century Palestine when Jesus was teaching this. Just just, just put put that in your, your head. You are under the Roman rule. You are under Roman obligation and you are obligated to follow the temple um, rituals of your own national religion. Okay? Now, they were, they were you know, imagine that scenario that they were in. And Jesus told them, you are being influenced by the Roman lords that are ruling over you. You're beginning to behave like them. You're beginning to think that your authority is rooted in your in the power. You know, you 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 are you are claiming, you are clamoring for for power, uh, for rule. You're clamoring for the kind of authority that will make people bow down to you. And Jesus says, the rulers of the Gentiles rule it over them, but not for you. You have a different calling. Your authority is not rooted on on the fact that you have the power to make people bow down or do what you tell them. Your authority is rooted in your humility. You are not destined to rule. You are destined to serve. Now, to explain this, St. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, uh, described this. As clearly as it can be described, this authority in humility. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11, beginning with verse 3. He said these words, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. 
Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. You need to underline that. He's making the, the, the statement that Jesus has already demonstrated while he was here on earth. Verse 4. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him and given him the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Radically different from what his disciples were thinking about. Or his disciples' idea of what it means to be a servant. We just uh, sworn into office a, a new Congress, you know, with, with some new and returning Congress people, Congress persons and, and senators. Now, I guarantee you, I hope not, but it wouldn't take long before the bickering starts. Just watch the news. It wouldn't take long before the fighting starts. Uh, it wouldn't take long before they ignore all the things that they were supposed to do and start politicking because that's, that's why they're there for. I mean, not everybody, but the, the great majority of our politicians these days seem to be forgetting what they were voted to do. We voted these guys to serve us. And it won't take long before they neglect all of the, op- the, 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 the responsibilities that we have given them and start bickering because we often forget that they often forget that they were placed there uh, to serve the people. And they will continue to do their politics while the glaring problems we face continue to grow. Crime, hopeless, homelessness, hopelessness to <laughs> inflation. These are the realities in the world. In fact, one of the biggest uh, problems that we as a nation have been trying to solve from time immemorial is this whole issue of, you know, you hear this all the time, whole issue of racism. You know, we got, we got that at the forefront of everything right now. I'm getting sick and tired of it because I'm a Christian, you know. We, we talked so much about how we can solve the problem of racism when we all know we can't solve it. Because we're all fallen people. We're tainted with sin. You know, I've been experiencing that. Uh, You know, people have been experiencing that, not just in this country. I mean, I think we're we're doing a lot better than many other countries. Did you know that Malaysians calls Filipinos ignoramuses? I'm not not lying. Don't call a Nicaraguan a Puerto Rican. Uh Uh-uh. But my Vietnamese friend think they're all Mexicans. This is true. We're laughing because this is true. 
We're, we're all in it. Don't, don't call a, 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 a Belgian a, a French person. Right? And it goes on and on and on. Oh, don't you call a Ukrainian a Russian. I would not have been able to tell the difference. And yet, we still say, you know, we got to solve this issue. We got to listen. Unless Christ changes the heart of a person, none of this will go away. None. We'll be talking about it and arguing about it at the highest places and institutions, and it will go on because the Bible says, unless you are born again and you enter the kingdom of God, there'll never be any kind of change in you. In Christianity, Here is the answer. Look at yourself lower than the other person. Where did he get that? The gospel. It's the gospel that changes people's hearts. It's the spirit of God that transforms a person's heart. None of us can solve the problem of sin. That's why Jesus had to come and deal with that problem. And I sure am glad. He did. Because all I need to do is to repent and follow him. And the Bible says, I will be given a new nature. A nature that regards others better than myself. Only the gospel can do that. Only the gospel can make that transformation. Because the gospel, first and foremost, places humility in our hearts. You can't be saved without humility. You can't be a Christian without humbling yourself and acknowledging that you are a sinner in need of God's grace and forgiveness. Because you and I are fallen. Whether we like it or not, we have not arrived at that place of perfection. We have none of us. Just when we think that we're better than others, that when we have accomplished so much things, we are reminded of the things that we can do at a split second, the sin that we can commit at a split second. We're all fallen people. We need the grace of Jesus every morning of our lives, every day, every second. The ministry of the church today is to use that authority to serve in the humility of Jesus. That's how We are to serve. The ministry of the church today, the power that we have today is rooted in the humility of Jesus. And how do we know that? We know that because Jesus uh, was baptized. You know, did you know that Jesus, to inaugurate his ministry, he had to be baptized? Now, of course, he did not have the same problem as all of us have. I want to make that clear. And yet he submitted himself to, towards baptism in order to demonstrate that humility. That's all it was. We know know that because when Jesus was coming to the Jordan River, when John the Baptist were baptizing people, John the Baptist himself said to Jesus, why are you, why am I going to be baptizing you? You're supposed to baptize me. So John understood that Jesus was the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. He understood that. So he was a little bit confused when Jesus asked him, uh, to baptize him. Of course, Jesus was not, was not baptized the same 
for the same reasons as, as we are baptized today. We're tainted with sin. We're sinners. We have to repent. We have to die to our sin and be to rise again into the newness of life, symbolized by baptism. Jesus had none of that going for him. He was sinless. He had no issues. And yet, he bowed down and demonstrated the humility it takes in order for all of us to understand that it takes humility to be able to serve. That's the central purpose of baptism of Jesus, to inaugurate his ministry, ministry to serve and not to be served through the act of humble submission. Jesus was exalted not because of the great miracles he performed, and he performed many great miracles. He was exalted not because of the wisdom that he demonstrated, the great teaching that he proclaimed. All of that were wonderful. He was exalted because he humbled himself to bail all of us out. And Jesus, before he went up to heaven, gave us the great commission in Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That authority has now been passed down to us. And that authority, that power, that glory was achieved by Jesus, not so much because of his great power, but because of his great humility. We need to emulate the same thing. We need to serve that way. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, Your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.